Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Mark, when you're worming a horse and it ends up like a giraffe, when the tube comes near him, is there any way you can help? This is a question from Catherine. Uh, yeah, Catherine, like um, when it comes to getting horses used to different things, um, if you think of education always being an alternative, you know, so basically if the, if the horse is stuck or carries a brace or worried about something, you're offering the horse an alternative. Um, so, you know, there's two te- techniques uh, in helping horses get used to new things. So there's the approach and re- retreat technique, which is, you know, it's the same technique that you approach a wild horse with, which is uh, approach until you notice the horse start to get a little sort of, oh, I can, you know, you're, you're getting a little close for me and um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm aware of that. But before the horse has too much of a negative thought, you'd sort of step back a little and just retreat a little to take the pressure off the horse and let it think about what's just happened. And then slowly you can get in and touch horses and things like that. Now you can do that with, you know, with French, uh, and you know holders different things that the horse is nervous of but the the thing about approach and retreat that's um it, it only goes so fast uh in the sense of your um you're tipping the horse's worry out instead of the horse doing something to tip their worry out whereas education so approach and retreat is something that's listening is is, is a responsibility of trainers um but if you really want to get a horse okay with sort of new or scary things uh, like the drench. Um, as I said before, it's offering the horse an alternative. So basically education is the horse doing something to tip their worry out of us. And that that's something that they're doing is a pathway of uh, that we've offered them. Um, and, and usually if you offer horse education, you can be killing two birds with one stone. And what I mean by that is, is, is you know, so, so, you might be teaching a horse to lead softly to get used to a drench and then it also learns how to lead softly so if your horses um if you get to a certain point you've got your, say you've got your lead rope in your hand and you're walking up with your drench and the horse gets really sort of tense and braced you don't keep going with the drench so you'd still use a bit of it an approach and retreat but instead of you approaching and retreating all the time you encourage your horse to do the approach and retreat so so basically um, the horse puts its head up. You don't approach anymore with the drench. You just wait there on the end of the lead rope or where, where you were on the lead rope, holding the lead rope and keep the feel on the lead rope because it would have been your horse that pushed against the boundary. So basically it's your responsibility to hold that boundary in place until the horse sort of yields and brings its thoughts forward from that boundary. So basically you just walk up till the horse re- retreats a little into that lead rope, puts its head up and you hold. And then, and then wait. And then when the horse kind of releases and thinks forward, then you just loose, obviously it'll loosen, loosen the lead rope up itself. And then you just, then you step back a little and give it some space to think about that. And you walk up again with the drench, the, the horse will step back a little. Um, it'll brace up into that lead rope. It'll find the boundary. You wait and hold till it releases and thinks forward a little. And, and then you might, retreat a little yourself just to sort of give it more space for thinking about doing the right thing so you're not overloading it gives it time to think about it 
so that's that's sort of a start into that. And then the next thing I'd probably be what I'd be doing is is I'd actually encourage the horse to walk with you. So you would probably be walking backwards, looking at your horse. Obviously, you'd do this on nice flat ground, so you're not going to trip over a rock. And you're looking at your horse, and you're leading it towards you as you're walking backwards. And and basically, you'll hold the drench in a certain position. You'll move it a little towards the horse. The horse will brace. You'll hold, like I said before, the horse will find the boundary, then lead forward. But this time, you actually keep it leading forward. And slowly but surely, the horse will, uh, you, you know, you, 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 you lead it, it comes forward a little bit, but you're not pushing the drench towards the horse's mouth. You're just letting it lead up a little closer, a little closer until the horse gets really close to the drench and it just sort of, you know, softens close to the drenching hand. And so because in the, in the scenario that you've said, your horse stands like a giraffe when you drench it. So... I would educate it not to stand like a giraffe and follow a field because there's nowhere in horse training you want to uh, sort of allow a horse to think that it can just sort of put its head up and fight field without thinking forward and releasing its feet and moving forward because one day they'll be on a post and think that they can just hang, hang up on that post and get stuck. So, so you're teaching your horse to yield and lead forward softly and then slowly but surely using a bit of approach and retreat. But the approach and retreat, the horse ends up doing the approach and retreat. So it's actually doing something to release the tension instead of you doing all the approach and retreat. And then basically it gets to a stage that kind of gets closer to the drench. And then you just might let it, you know, subtly just be close to the drench with its lips. And that'll be the first stage, but it's taking the giraffe out of it and getting it to softly yield and uh, become more comfortable having the drench there. Then the next thing I do with the yielding is, is something I do with, with horses is I, as I put my fingers up inside their mouth. So it's almost like you're going up the side of their mouth with your fingers and you're pulling your fingers to the outside a little. So obviously uh, if your fingers are getting up close to their, their molars where, where they might have some sharp edges, you're not going to get 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 um, cut or anything like that. But you pull the, the cheek out a little and you just let them drop all the grass out. You can even just tickle their tongue a little just to, so they, they let all the grass out. But uh, this is a good opportunity also to get your horse to sort of open its mouth, uh, you know, without the taste of the drench and just get soft. And I actually keep my fingers in there and just teach the horse to yield and lead a little while my fingers are in its mouth. So it just starts to think about the lead and becomes more supple. Um, and then while its mouth sort of open and that, that's when I just would slip a drench in and just give it like squirt the drench in. And because the horse has already got his finger, your fingers up up in there, it's 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 already got something in there, and the, and, and the mouth is quite open. And just slip the drench in behind and just put the drench in nice and quietly, and then just you know be done with it. Uh, so that's the way I'd, I'd go about it. But you've worked on uh, um, the horse following a soft feel and becoming comfortable with that first. Um, and and yeah, if you don't drench it that particular day, by the next day you'll find that the horse is. Um, understanding all those things it needs, especially when it comes to drenching and different things that vets have to do and needling and things like that. Thanks, Mark. So with uh, releasing the tension, I noticed you were saying you were, there's a bit of movement going on. That comes into, I think, possibly the next question from Fiona. She has a horse um, who is very bitey when he's getting girthed. So he's very, um, very gentle in all other areas. And she doesn't think there's any sign of him having any physical issues. She's just about ruled out all of that. When he gets to the mounting block, he's also got a soft eye and a relaxed mouth. So it's just the girthing and she does swap sides and she moves around him and she does it very gently one hole at a time. But she asks, how can she help him feel better about girthing? Yeah, 
anxiety and, um, you know, hard eyes and hard expressions around girthing and also, um, you know, putting legs on horses is a common, yeah, it's a common sensitivity that, that can cause, a, you know, some problems in horses and, you know, there are horses and, and obviously I, I, I say this because uh, I'm big on education, but sometimes before education, you have to have other things checked. And, you know, there are horses that they've got a really, you know, in a stressful environment and actually some of their girthing issues have been because of ulcers and things like that. So that's always, always got to be looked into, but usually ulcers and, and sort of pain and things like that. It's easy to like, in some respects, it's easy to sort of work out if it's pain because um I see so many horses that give you a hard eye when you're girthing them and then another horse walks by and they go, oh, what are they doing over there? And, uh, and then all of a sudden that horse sort of walks past and then they forget about that horse and they go, oh, hey, hang on, where was I? Oh, that's right. Stop girthing me. And, and you sort of see that scenario. And, and, and I think if it's a really pain or really sudden, you know, an aggravation that's really bothering the horse, um, they wouldn't just get slightly distracted with a, with a bit of a curious look to another horse while you're girthing and they'd probably... Um, it, it'd bother them enough not not to worry about that so so you know if you did a soft distraction with a horse you know even if you just gently wave the flag or just someone you know you know how some people wave to get the horse to put its ears forward for a photo or something like that you gently start to put a little feel on the girth and and if someone else kind of does something and the horse now it gives it a, i mean a soft look and looks at it and loses the hard eye and just goes looks and then it sort of just goes oh okay and then comes back to being an angry eye if it does it in that certain way, you kind of know that it's just more thinking about the girth and it's, it, it's that, that's its point of thought and it's going, oh, I'm not really comfortable with that right now and it gives to that hard expression. So sometimes distraction, you can actually just, you know, test it with distraction. So you go to girth up, you get a hard eye, you gently distract mm -hmm. the horse a little and it'll go, oh, you get, it lets that thought go. When it lets that thought go, you loosen up on the girth and that's, that's one way you can sort of, you know, help horses, um, change their thought with a girthing issue opposed to sort of just doing the slow approach and retreat with the girth i call it approach and retreat really anything like that's approach and retreat i think there's some scientific names um that that, that people have been using about a similar thing but the old the age-old approach and retreat is is basically what it is you, you get to a, a certain threshold and then you back off it um the problem with us backing off the threshold like i answered the last question is that's sometimes us always tipping the anxiety out for the horse so it's not empowering the horse I, I believe that if if we can get the horse to do something to tip the anxiety out through a pathway that we've offered we're educating our horse and it sets our horse up to make better decisions under pressure later on so um, the approach and retreat is commonly used in girthing just like it is like I was talking about the drenching um, so I'm going to go back to the girthing and how you could get the horse educated so it um, um, gets softer with the girth. So basically the first thing that I was just saying about is sometimes just distract your horse a little um, and see see if that distraction um, releases that hard eye or tension in your horse and then loosen up the girth at the same time and reward it for distraction. So um, then you would uh, look at um, getting your horse to follow a feel so something i do is i put a belly rope on a on a horse and that that's girthy so the horses that have had a really hard expression all their life girth and really narky a lot of those horses i find are kind of uh braced and they're kind of 
a bit frozen when you girth them and it feels to them that they have to, they will, they think they're supposed to stand still and because they're supposed to stand still and they can't do anything and they don't feel free to move their feet, they actually feel more troubled about the girth. Um, so, ba excuse me, basically with those horses, we're empowering them with movement as well. So what I do is I'll put a feel on the girth. Uh, so I'll have a, a rope all the way around the horse's belly with a bowline so I can, they can compress and release as I, as I pull and release on the rope. And I'll just pull a feel on the, on the rope, like stepping in front of the horse a little, so it's, um, the knot will be under the horse's, um, you know, brisket, right, uh, like un, un, underneath its rib cage there, right at the bottom, right at the bottom point underneath um, its body there. And then I'd pull the feel on the lead rope, uh, on, the, on, the, on the rope that's around its belly, and then I'd just pull on it until the, the horse loosens and takes a forward step. And then I just keep doing that to can softly lead forward. Now, you may think that that'll teach the horse to just wander off when you pull on the girth because you're teaching it pressure means walk. But it's actually, you have to continue the lesson until the horse can lead forward. And then when it leads forward a little, you can sometimes let them go past you a little bit. And then you just gently pull the girth as they're past you until they feel the, 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 the rope angle. Sorry, I, I say girth, but it's rope around their girth area. You pull that rope until the, uh, the, the rope pulls on them at a slight backward angle and, and, and step back and they just soften and step in and stop. And then when they stop, you loosen it. And then you do that a few times and you go in and you rub your horse and then you gently stand really solid like you're going to girth it and you just go straight up with the rope so there's no forward or backward direction on that rope. Straight up and just start to handle the girth area and keep repeating that. And that's, that's a really good way to get a horse to sort of realise it can move its feet. It doesn't have to stand and brace and put up with it and, it and it gives it something else to do it changes that thought and then soon enough you're girthing up and down and the horse relaxes and I've seen many horses that have spent their life having really hard expressions and angry around the barrel do that belly rope you know leading with a belly rope and it, it, it really cleans up some things but it also it's educating the horse and it's teaching to, to follow a feel and not brace and that's so important in training that a horse has always got a pathway to movement but instead of just erratic movement it's it's movement that's following an idea of ours yeah and I just look on the membership videos too because we just added a video just on uh, what mark's been describing so it's quite a good long video for you to see all of that in detail yes yeah okay our riding horses i've got a couple of questions to do with uh what you're doing with with the riding Narelle asks, what is the process, what does the process look like when you're transitioning from a single rein to riding in contact? And what do you look for to decide if they're ready? Um, that's a really good question because once upon a time when I used to use a little bit more um, squeezy rein actions to get a horse to loosen their jaw, um, you could speed the process up a bit of getting them to loosen the jaw and, and walk, a, you know, move along forward. Um, but re I realised some of those horses when I was doing that, they were still holding a bit of, you know, they weren't carrying themselves properly through the rest of their body and they'd loosen their jaw and they'd sort of keep riding forward, but they still weren't truly connected to the rein. So, and then it's interesting because I know this this question I think goes through a lot of people's minds when I'm doing clinics and I'm saying you know let the horse just travel on a loose rein when you pick up a rein uh, turn it into a, a thought change and a movement that sort of you know goes through the whole body and you can feel the horse uh, instead 
but it's just bending from the widow forward. It's 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 engaging its whole body in whatever you're asking, whether it be stepping over the in the hind quarter or moving the front feet across, whatever it is. Um, but there's something I'm feeling for, and one of those things that I feel for when I want to ride forward into more contact is I'm feeling for the um, the so so what I do when I go forward into a backup, one of the things that, that that my two reins, I want to pick up on two reins. I don't want to do any wiggles and timing it with the feet or anything like that. I just want to pick up on two reins. I want to lift and lift my core up and pick up on two reins. And the horse just goes from a walk into a backup. And it just feels like you're rolling a ball forwards and then backwards with no resistance. And there's no kind of stall and there's no kind of step over and get a bit crooked. There's no locking up in the jaw there's no it's just rolling forwards in the back which just like it's so supple and it's just I, I'm riding on a loose rein I pick up on those reins and the horse just rolls into a backup and rolls and, and it's just and, and also when the horse is slowing down from a fast walk so you, you, you practice it in the walk so you can start to do it at a walk first but you can go from a slow walk and as you're slowing down the walk from a fast walk to a slow walk you'll notice before you get to the backup the horse will already start to sort of bend and prepare for the backup and the body will start to, and, and they'll start to walk slower with a long stride instead of like a lot of horses. If you watch them, if you, if you sat and watch people riding and, and it's, it's great, if you've got a few friends at home and stuff, just get them riding their horses around and get them to walk in front of you while you're sitting down on a chair watching them. And it's just a good exercise for everyone to watch, I think, and say, can you go from a fast walk to a slow walk? And, and, and just watch, watch most of the horses, the ones that tend to carry braces when they're slowing down into a slow walk, you'll see them shorten their stride, especially in those back feet. You'll see them get shorter in the back feet. And then when they loosen and let the horse do a slow walk, all of a sudden the walk will stay slow, but the, um, the feet will, uh, the, the stride will lengthen again. Um, so what I'm looking and feeling for when I'm slowing down is when I'm slowing my horses down, they're, they're coming back and they're slowing the walk down but they're not shortening their stride um because usually shortening the stride is, is the brace up in the body as they're slowing down in the rain there's still there's still tension in there and they're still you know, you know not really bringing their thoughts back through so so as you're slowing down from the fast walk through the slow walk into the backup the horse will be sort of going from the fast walk and by the time it's slowing down in the walk it's still moving forward a little because you're slowing the whole process down and you'll feel it roll up a little and, and and soften in your hands and and still walk through underneath you but slowing down and then you roll them into a backup now when you're starting to feel that soft coming back through without that rigidity and stuff like that that's when you start to say i'm just going to bring you slow like i'm going to bring you into backup and then i'm just going to take my core and my legs and then i'm going to just ride you through forward a little more and you'll find the horse will just kind of keep carrying forward because you ask forward with your core and and and, and legs if you need to. Um, but they'll just go a little faster. And um, and that's when you know, and it, and it takes a little while to get them prepared for that. But if you do it like that, what I've found is the horse uh, engages a lot more. Its whole body is, is more collected opposed to wriggling and bumping and whatever people do to get them to bend in the front and then pushing them up from behind. Sometimes that just bends the front and the, and, the, and, the, and it just makes them go faster, but the hind's still trailing out. So in the slowing down and the horse preparing to back up, that's when it sort of starts to lift and prepare to back up. So it actually becomes more collected and then you take that into a forward walk.
uh, and that, and that's just a really good exercise. And and but if you're going from a, a walk down through the slow walk in the back up and there's all this clunk 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 and shortening of strides and all that sort of stuff, then I think your horse might need more just rolling forward in the walk, rolling into a back up, into forward, into a back up. And um, yeah, but but it's a good question and it's sort of you can you can cut corners. But if you know you cut a corner then in, and it's not working a bit later on, well, you know to cut the corner and you'll go back. So sometimes just sticking to that basics until it's really soft and the horse is offering is sometimes it's, it's much more beneficial. Okay, so you were just talking about going into slow, slow speeds there and speeding up again. Lizelle has asked a question about one of your recent podcasts where you discussed transitions and you were talking about having three speeds within a gate. She asked, how would you actually go about asking for that? Is it something like a slight leg pressure and then a heel bump and then a transition from a walk to a jog? How, how do you do it? Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because we all have different ways of riding. And on the young horses and the, the horses that have been ridden in a way that I would sort of probably not encourage people to ride their horses, I always go back and ride them like a young horse. So I'm actually using... Um, a lot more leg than seat so I try and keep my pelvis disconnected from my legs uh, in the early stages and that's quite interesting because you know sometimes when you're riding you think I've got to have three different you know ways of asking things so the horse understands um, so when we're riding horses and when we do groundwork it's interesting the last thing I've been you know trying to sh- there's been some low energy horses and everything I've been doing is really slow but I carry hardly any energy and it's, and, and, and it's, it's sort of another subject again, you know, but the horse has to have more energy than us. That's, that's basically a rule of thumb. And, and if you want collection or anything like that, that horse has to have more impulsion than us. And uh, so, so if you watch me ride, I ride very quiet. I sit on a horse very quietly and I don't ride with a heap of go and seat and zing and all that sort of stuff. And even in my groundwork, um, the, you know, I, I'll, I'll be fa- fairly low energy. Um, so when I'm riding, I'm relying on the horse, having its thoughts with me and knowing that when I'm sort of sitting in a sort of a neutral following it way, that it's to stay in that rhythm. So if I was to squeeze the legs, a little, the horse would go as, as much as I've asked up until I take my legs off and just, and it, and it holds the sweet spot. So the sweet spot is that that place where I'm just following it smoothly and there's no resistance. When you put legs on, it feels a little friction down its sides and it says there's something happening. How can I find the sweet spot? So the horse just will move forward just a little faster. And then as soon as it's the sweet spot that you want, you just take those legs off. So you can um, add a little stronger legs so the horse moves stronger knowing the sweet spot's further away. So that's where you get more of a, a spring in the impulsion where the horse pushes, pushes faster. So so basically we're trying to get our horses, you know, and that's why I do a lot of the fast walk, slow walk. So the horse knows that if I'm not asking anything of the horse or I'm not supplying any friction in the rein or friction in the leg, then the horse is doing the right thing. Instead of saying, I want you to stay with my seat. And, and if I stop riding, you, you follow my seat down. I actually say you find the sweet spot and that's the path of least resistance. And then, thumbs up to you you're doing the right thing so the horse always knows if there's a bit of friction from the legs it might mean more impulsion if there's a little friction from the reins it might mean bring your thoughts back and find the sweet spots behind you a little bit 
so if you ride like that you can get you know lots of different speeds in the walk and when it comes to trotting though trotting's an interesting one because it uh, for, for for horses that were a, a bit rushy or only ever had one trot the the, the easiest thing and this is where the, the the trotting is on a on a on a horse that's learning this now once they've become very comfortable you can go back to sit trot right through if you wanted to but basically in the trot it's much easier because it's such a it's such a even one two one two rhythm that if we posts i think in, uh, we, we call it rising in australia i think americans might call it posting but posting or rising so if we if we rise to the trot um it's very clear what rhythm we're in so basically um when we put horses into the trot it's really good to go up one step in your rhythm the horse catches you you go up another step in your rhythm which means a little faster in your rhythm which would be a next a, a little faster trot and you just get the horse to follow your rhythm, and but you hold the step a little and you go down a step. And, and on a horse that's only got two, two like roughly two speeds in the trot, you can get like someone six, six speeds in a trot even more that are just little cogs, little steps. So the horse gets really good at following your posting or rising rhythm, up a step, down a step, up a step. And you can use that. And if the horse doesn't come up the step uh, with you, you can quickly say, catch me with the legs because you've established that in the walk catch me catch me catch my seat and then you can do that on the way down so it, not with the legs so you, you slow down your trot and then and then basically what had happened is you pull on the reins a little and create a little flick, friction the horse goes oh, oh going a little too fast i might have to and then the horse feels it sinks into your trot oh we're in rhythm again so the sweet spot is in the rhythm of the trot you're asking so in the trot to get all those gear, like you know speeds in the trot i, I definitely use my posting seat until the horse has got a really good trot from slow to fast and then i could start to just treat the trot like a walking transition and say i'm just going to roll with you with my pelvis if you wanted to sit trot your horses and then start to get them to gauge with the legs and things like that and it can as much the same as to walk in a sense as is uh your horse you know you gen and, and and after a while you calibrate the lower leg so well that you the right amount of squeeze causes the right amount of impulsion just like an accelerator on a car you only squeeze a little bit if you want to just go a little faster but if you want to punch it out you squeeze a little more but your horse gets tuned in a way that you're not trying to break its ribs to go faster it just knows that that sort of squeeze means get out there a little quick and that's why you spend a lot of time using your legs so you can tune or calibrate your legs much much like someone to tune tune a motor you know and get the petrol um air right you know air consistency right just to get it running really nice and it's not the horse that chooses that so much so it's us that sort of says well the horse does choose it because 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 you're using a heap of pressure you usually got a brace or a worried horse so but it's it's the amount of pressure we'd like the horse to move off the legs um but yeah if you work on those things you can you can pretty well get um you know a lot of good different speeds you know different speeds in each gate hey thanks mark thanks everyone for listening we'll catch you next time thank you thanks everybody you can learn more from Mark online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. There's over 380 training videos which everyone has access to with a seven-day free trial. If you like what you see, it's just $15 a month from there. That's help where you need it.